the, the establishment knows that going forward, the way to control people is through technology. I mean, they've known this for a long time. So they, they've made this whole area a huge command base for uh, you know what they're going forward with as far as all these technologies of control. I mean, we know the CIA has had a big venture capital firm in QTEL, which has been early, an early investor in pretty much every big tech company. And, and this is openly a CIA venture capital fund. And they've been doing this for decades. They, they funded like, I think, pretty much every big tech firm, as in like oil. Carbon 60, or C60, first gained notoriety back in 2012 from a study that increased the lifespan of rats by a whopping 90%. Since that breakthrough study, scientists have conducted thousands of studies showing C60 not only has a very real potential extending lifespan, but also has been shown to be better than any other substance ever studied to reduce inflammation, eliminate free radicals, provide powerful antioxidants, and more. After the famous rat study, scientists at Live Longer Labs realized a human, not industrial, formula needed to be made. That's when they set out to be the first lab in the world to focus on what is best for human consumption of C60. This led Live Longer Labs to pioneer a high-quality, 99.9% .9 pure C60 refined without solvents in oils that work best for humans, and that is black seed oil. Look it up yourself. Black seed oil has been known as a universal healer for millennia, and more modern studies confirmed its benefits as a potent antioxidant and for anti-inflammation. Simply, it's not like other oils. It's better. To try this amazing product, go to sarahwestall.com under shop. Remember, members of Ebeneer save 10%, and all listeners can save 5% using the coupon found at sarahwestall.com under shop. Welcome to Business Game Changers. I'm Sarah Westall. I have a great investigative journalist joining me today. His name is Peter Kirby. Many of you know him from his book, Chemtrails Exposed, which is just an amazing, complete work on all the different aspects of chemtrails. And you'll, you'll find them really interesting because we were talking about how during his you know many years of investigation on chemtrails, it led them down many other rabbit holes. And, you know, that's how I felt as I was investigating all sorts of things. You just, there's so many rabbit trails and, and other areas that you learn about. And, of course, a lot of it is traumatizing as you learn about kind of what, how blackmail works and how all these systems of power are in place. But we are going to talk today about technology and the control grid. And then we also talk about... XRP and how the Federal Reserve is behind the creation of XRP and you know how the SEC is suing XRP, the crypto coin, and they are, as more and more comes out, the SEC is wanting to, is very uncomfortable and wants to get the heck out of that lawsuit. And he's going to explain what's going on there. This is a really fun conversation for me. And I hope you enjoy it. It's always, it's always great for me to just sit and talk to other, you know, investigative journalists who are really spending their entire life working on this and completely absorbed because it's just a different, the stuff you learn behind the scenes is just incredible. And I try to bring a lot of it to you, but some of it I just, I can't bring to you because A, I'm going to look too nutty 
or I don't have enough proof to be able to present it in a way that A, doesn't make me look nutty, and I, I just can't, and, and until I can prove it, I can't really bring it forward. And so I just, you know, it, it's just, it is the way it is, but I do bring a lot, most of the stuff forward that I can. Anyways, I hope you enjoyed this conversation, and I want to remind you to go to my website at sarahwestall.com and sign up for my newsletter. That's how you stay posted on everything that I have going on. Okay, let's get into this great conversation with Peter Kirby. Hi, Peter. Welcome to the program. Welcome back to the program. Hi, Sarah. Thanks for having me. Yeah, we have the great Kirby here who did the Chemtrails book, who everyone says it's kind of the definitive book on that subject. Anybody who wants to read that, you know, and learn more about Chemtrails, what's the name of your book again? Chemtrails Exposed, A New Manhattan Project. It is fantastic. I've had multiple people contact me after, even just like a month ago, saying, when are you going to have Peter Kirby back on? We need to talk about chemtrails. Well, I'm having him back on, but we're not going to talk much about chemtrails. <laughs> we're going to talk about a couple other subjects because you have your own uh, show now you just launched. But you're, you know, as a journalist, you want to venture into other areas, which makes complete sense. I understand that. But you've been going after the county that you're in, which is Marin County, which is right next to San Francisco. It's part of the Silicon Valley area, right? It's It's, not? Silicon Valley is to the south of San Francisco. Marin County is to the north. Yeah, but I consider Silicon Valley, like San Francisco, that whole area, the whole Bay Area. When I did a little mini documentary on San Francisco and Silicon Valley, a lot of people map that thing out as kind of that whole area. But you say that's not. Well, it's part of the San Francisco Bay Area. Everything around the bay, there's there's the San, there's San Francisco, there's the peninsula, there's mm-hmm. the South Bay, there's the East Bay, and there's uh, Marin, basically, is the is the immediate area. And then, of course, there's extended areas. It's, you know, pretty massive, complex. And then Silicon Valley also includes the whole San Jose area, right, and down there. Silicon Valley, yes, that's, that's down San Jose. And one thing that I learned, because I did that little mini documentary, is that San Francisco area, which includes um, when they were doing the, the what I was looking into, because we we're looking at where the capital is flowing for all around the world, in the Silicon Valley area, which they included as in this data set, um, San Francisco, uh, San Jose, and kind of that whole Bay Area um, has the most capital flowing into it than any other place in the world. Well, you're you're leading right into yeah. what we're going to be talking yeah. about. You're and talk- then the op- opposite thing, and I'm sure you have a lot to add, is they also have, while they have the most capital, they also have the worst slums in the world. So mm-hmm. it is the biggest dichotomy. It To me, there can't be much more, I don't, evil isn't the right word, but you know, it's it represents that wealth disparity that's over the top. And they act like in the San Francisco area, they act like they are the arbiters of all things moral, yet they have the, the most money flowing in and the worst slums. So what do you say about that, Mr. Peter Kirby? Well, the, the establishment knows that going forward, 
the way to control people is through technology. I mean, they've known this for a long time. I mean, you go back to like, you know, the 19 was the 1920s and 30s and stuff with like writings of H.G. Wells. I mean, they, they've known that that technology is going to be the way to control things. So they, they've made this whole area a huge command base for, uh, you know, what they're going forward with as far as all these technologies of control. And uh, yeah, venture capital uh, has been huge. And it, it, it largely, venture capital actually goes back to, I found references of venture capital going back to like the 1930s and stuff. It's, it's not a new thing. It sounds kind of new, right? Venture capital. But it actually, that whole scene goes, goes way back uh, you know, when technologies were first developed, I, there are some books that I need to read about the history of venture capital. I want to tie that into the new Manhattan Project. But, but you know, venture capital it ha has a huge stronghold in uh, Menlo Park, which is down in Silicon Valley. They have uh, massive uh, uh, um, institutions there that involved in venture capital. And then as well as in the city of San Francisco has venture capital and all types of other other finance but um, yeah, th this whole, I mean, we know the CIA has had a big venture capital firm in QTEL, which has been early, an early investor in pretty much every big tech company that is. What's the name of their venture fund? In QTEL. It's oh, QTEL. I-N-Q hyphen T-E-L. And, and this is openly a CIA venture capital fund. And they've been doing this for decades. They, they funded, like, I think, pretty much every big tech firm, as in, like, Oracle, Microsoft, uh, Sun Microsystems, Apple, Amazon. I mean, you name it. They, they've been funding it since very early on. So, yeah, um, you know, the, the, and uh, how this, I think, you know, I have some theories as to how this whole disparity between rich and poor developed here in San Francisco, but you know, the, it's pretty much the same story throughout America. What what happens is there are these deals made, I think, between government and these corporations, and and government carves out le legislatively they chart they carve out areas for certain companies and and give them certain government contracts, and and then so uh, that that company that's chosen by the government is the one that flourishes and and soaks up all the wealth and soaks up all the prosperity there there isn't the ecosystem of competing it's fascism tech companies yeah it's not yeah. a free market it's not capitalism it's a fascist government you know manipulated event yeah it it, it creates a, a situation where uh, there's just one group that, that gets all the money. And then, uh, you know, usually if there's free market capitalism involved, then, then there's lots of little smaller groups that are involved in competition and feeding into the larger group and all this type of stuff. But they, if, there, if there's any of that type of action, they just get bought out and it just goes into the larger group and all the money, all, all the power, all the influence just goes to these these huge conglomerates and there's no situation of general prosperity which is what we should be shooting for when there's when there's general prosperity then there's opportunities for people without uh, you know uh, college degrees to be able to to live well or people without high school to be you know, un unskilled domestic labor and then of course you know you got the open borders or just innovative um, entrepreneurial type people trying to do something 
and it comes from all different walks of life. You can't tell me somebody that goes through a formal school program is trained to be the best entrepreneur. That's just not how it works. I taught entrepreneurship in college. You don't, you can't, you can't create an entrepreneur in a class. It does, it's not how it works. Yeah. Well, these days, you know, when you get one of these degrees from college, it's like a little stamp of approval. It's like, oh, you went through the brainwashing process. Oh, you understand wokeism. Oh, you, you understand, you know, uh, how, how we're all supposed to be slaves to political correctness. And, and that's how people are. I mean, these are brainwashing academies. I but- agree with you. I do think, though, when it comes to like the engineering schools and the mathematic programs and physics and stuff, although there are a lot of people saying that, and I agree with them because I've been looking at alternative physics and mathematics, that they're still in a paradigm and not able to get out. But you do learn things that you wouldn't necessarily learn on your own. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Because it's there is a benefit to getting trained in technical skills mm-hmm. that you wouldn't get on your own. But if you're getting a, a liberal arts degree or something like that, business degree, I I agree with you. Yeah, I mean the the STEM people, science, technology, and math, they they have a, a certain degree of immunity to all this. They can just be good at what they do, but they better not have a political opinion that that differs from you know what the mainstream media constantly pumps out or they can't go to some of this frequency science although some of the places are like mit and all these universities they're moving towards that but they can't look at the fact that the universe might be electric or they can't look at any other facts because otherwise they're they get beaten down too but still there's merit to getting a stem degree Right, right. Yeah, no, yes. there's definitely scientific narratives going on. I mean, you know, somebody that I worked with on the chemtrail thing, Dr. Marvin Herndon, he had a revolutionary discovery about a nuclear reactor at the core, a natural nuclear reactor at the core of our planet. And this didn't fit in with the emerging theories of man-made global warming at the time. So he was completely shut down. Yes, He's, exactly. You see, this is how this works. They have an agenda, they have a narrative, and they're going forward with it. And if you don't want to be a part of it, they got no need for you. That's exactly right. And I agree with you in the sense that there should be prosperity shooting up everywhere if they, and it would be better for them too. They tend to buy out the small ones anyways, and they know it's an open open secret, if you will. It's not a secret that the small ones are the most innovative and that you need to buy out the small ones. But if you're not encouraging small the small ones to thrive, then you're you're beating down advancement, human advancement. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, big time. And and let's 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 transition now into the whole NFT scene because there is hope. Now, what's been going on most recently? Explain what NFT is first. It's a non fungible token, and I think it has implications for the new media. And, and I want to get to that. Let's 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 start with we're going to get to that. But let, let's start with the underlying technology of NFTs, non fungible tokens. This is part of the whole crypto scene, right? Yeah, yeah. Maybe it's people, Ethereum, maybe. right? It's an Ethereum. Ethereum. App. They're, they're mostly based. The, the today's almost all, as far as I can tell, it's about like ninety five to ninety eight percent NFTs are based on the Ethereum blockchain. Now, now, see, I, I want to I want to come back to that, but I, I want to talk about just a little bit first how there is hope for what's going on here. Um, the the 
of course, we know the big explosion of, of tech and the internet that happened in the mid 90s. And then, you know, the dot com bubble burst in 2001. But of course, you know, we know that it, all these technologies have gone on to proliferate and prosper greatly. But, you know, what this we, we've just been talking about what type of situation has developed where certain corporations just dominate the whole thing. Google, you know, yeah, well, yes, because they just bought everybody out and they just basically run the entire Internet. So, you know, th this is a, a centralized situation. Now, what's developing of late is a decentralized situation, and, and this has to do with blockchain, okay? Blockchain is the underlying technology of, of cryptocurrencies, and, and if people want to understand cryptocurrencies and blockchain, you can just do a search, like just go to the Wikipedia listing for blockchain, or just, just search you know, the term blockchain, click on a few things, and you'll understand it in about 15 minutes. And what, what blockchain is, and, and this has been, the, blockchain is the new movement in San Francisco. Just like the old tech uh, thing in the, in the mid-90s when it started in San Francisco in the Silicon Valley, now the big movement is blockchain. And, and the, there's, there's massive influx of capital, massive influx of um, brain power, I mean, you look at some of these people involved in, in the blockchain movement, it's all like San Francisco, Silicon Valley, it's all like Harvard, MIT, Bank of America, Morgan Stanley, Goldman Sachs. I mean, the resumes of these people that are making moves in this blockchain space are just amazing. And um, what, what blockchain is, this gives us hope because blockchain is a truth machine. It's, it's a way of processing data that generates truth and it is decentralized now you know people are going to hear that oh yeah how, how is a machine going to generate truth right yeah i want to hear your theories on this this is interesting yeah yeah well you know I, cool. I think it's more than more than a theory no 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 that's okay i didn't mean to say it in a in that kind of way i just i'd like to hear different thoughts and paradigms this is great it's it's so huge because that's what it is it's it's so it's so huge because this this has tremendous implications for our entire society. I would estimate that cryptocurrencies are the number that's popping into my head today for some reason about maybe maybe thirty percent of maybe not even that of the entire blockchain space. Blockchain, okay. The way well, let me works, tell you something. I interviewed a guy. I'm not going to use his name because this poor soul got just demolished and so he didn't want his name out there anymore but he came up with the blockchain six months and patented it six months before the group you know the japanese uh yeah, he didn't do this. it you, you wrote a book it's a group of people right yeah yeah and um and well he came out with it and six months before he has the patent it's i got proof we had did the show he asked me to take the show down because he was so harassed and so bullied by people it's like well he's got the patent i mean he actually really did it and um because he did a he did a whole application around it and he was doing all this stuff and the poor guy was so beaten up and by the cult of the block the cult of the crypto people the crypto people couldn't handle this guy actually having a patent and, and multiple people come up with ideas at the same time it's really kind of a cool thing but this poor guy was so harassed and so bullied that i had to take his, his stuff down the people that know, know, and they respect them for it. But wow, that was a big learning experience of how much cult 
following there is in this world, yeah, in that well, world that crypto is. Well, well, yeah. See, what I think is going on there is that the establishment understands the power of crypto and blockchain, and and they have people actively in there trying to hijack the whole situation. Now, now, uh, you know. Uh, so, so let's get into that. Um, I, I, I think that Ethereum is a protected operation, protected by the establishment. And um, there's evidence to that coming out in this trial that's been going on about the XRP. If you've, you've heard that there's this, you know. Yeah, XRP and then Library, Odyssey, they're get, they, they've been targeted as well. Yeah. And, and apparently the, the documents are coming out uh, showing evidence of the fact that the SEC, which is suing Ripple, uh, had a hands-off approach to Ethereum. And it looks like people at the SEC at the very top, maybe even Gensler himself, were invested in Ethereum. Oh. I mean, it's getting to the point where the, the SEC is like wishing that this lawsuit was over. I mean, they're going to be begging for mercy by the end of this thing. So XRP is going to shoot up like a moonshot. Oh, yeah. Th this lawsuit has always been a joke. It it's always been a, a, a big joke. XRP. Oh, there's just so many things going on here. XRP originated in a Federal Reserve study group sponsored by the United States Federal Reserve Bank where really yeah this was the, this is the origination of XRP it was called the faster payments working group i think and um you know their their job was to to find a, a new system based on blockchain that was going to you know be the best way to process payments globally and what they came mm. up with was the, the XRP blockchain so what's the SEC? Is it two factions of the government fighting? Uh, I think the SEC represents the establishment. And then yeah. what's the XRP represent then? If it's the, the Federal inserts. Reserve, I mean, it would have to be. Well, what I think, you know, they, they realized, it, it, you know, I think that it, there's um, what's going on is that there's XRP basically represents an insurgency within the establishment, kind of like with um, what happened with Magna Carta. Okay. There's there's an insurgent group w within the establishment that that's going forward with this stuff. Um, they real I think you know the establishment. I don't know how I don't know if they even wanted that that study group to happen in the first place. They're talking about doing you know with the World Economic Forum and so forth and the central bankers. They want a worldwide digital currency based on blockchain. Yeah. But they want to control the whole darn thing. Right. And they don't want it. They don't want it the way that BitChute or um, not BitChute, um, uh, Bitcoin and all these other things work, where it's private. You can't reverse things. They want to know everything and control everything on their blockchain. So the average person can't control it, but they can. Yeah. So it wouldn't be what they're what they're pushing wouldn't be true blockchain. No, it what would be a blockchain. For in the sense that it would be really secure, but then they would have access to it somehow. I don't know. I don't yeah. know how they would do that. A modified blockchain of some sort. Right. Oh, yeah, exactly. No, it would be exactly what you're talking about. Now, now see, apparently the way Ripple works, and I've been studying this for probably a couple of years now, uh, the XRP blockchain works is that it is completely decentralized and, and, and cannot be controlled by any central authority. And uh, 
would absolutely be the best way to process payments globally. And, and see, that, that's what it's all about. It's, it's meant to be the core of a new global financial system. And we even have a report from uh, our friend Charlie Ward. Yeah. He, he, dropped, he dropped a bomb about a, about a year ago when he said that, you know, he has been directly involved in moving around gold and cash to, you know, facilitate this new quantum financial system that apparently could, could drop any day. But about a year ago, he, he said that he was on a plane with, some, with somebody who was like deeply embedded in this whole thing. And uh, they were talking about this new quantum financial system. And his source said, yeah, it runs on XRP. Well, and I wouldn't doubt that. I would be careful with some of these sources that he, I'm not, my sources, okay, Charlie Ward, I love you, but I think some of your stuff, some of your sources might not be, this one's probably good, but some of his other sources might not always be legit. You know what I mean? We have to be really careful in the journalist world. And um, I just think Charlie Ward has some people that are using him, but I, I, I don't want to hate on anybody. So I just want to say that. <laughs> Yeah, no, uh, yeah, I mean, nobody's perfect. Yeah. Uh, Charlie Ward, uh, you know, he, he didn't come, he, he just sort of jumped into this whole new media thing. You know, he had a background in, in business. I guess that's a pretty good background to, to have to, to jump into all this. But, yeah, I mean, uh, he's well, saying this is his firsthand experience. Oh, that's that's so. probably very legit. But the the learning how to be have discernment is something that, it has been a challenge and also when you're infiltrated and you have all these handlers all around you trying to feed you information we all have handlers that are trying to feed us information to throw us off track and it just is what it is i mean i it's a hard environment oh yeah the path of the righteous is beset on all sides by evil men right sean just <laughs> exactly you should know recently. that you probably see some of that with what you're doing now too. Oh yeah, don't get me started. Yeah, I sure. <laughs> I got a situation I'm dealing with right now that I don't want to talk about too much because it's like you know people here in Marin County. I'm hoping to to resolve the, the the situation. So I think the best way to do that is to not talk about it at least yet. But uh, yeah, there, there's people throwing monkey wrenches in my works up here. Well, I watched your whole video on on your county, and I. I know you just this, and I understand why the doctor is Dr. Mengula you have over there in Marin, Pretty much. Marin County. Yeah. I mean, that's just awful. And, and then it looks like there's a bunch of brainwashed people following them and people who are too scared to do anything and people that agree with them and all the people with courage aren't in there. Nobody with courage is standing up to this guy and these weasels and you, you are, the the real the real grassroots the the real hardcore political activists here in Marin County are united against Dr. Willis and his forces of evil. I mean the the the, the problems that I'm having are actually with, with people who are also united against Dr. Evil. So oh. you know I, I want this is why see because I want to stay away from infighting. This is the always, infiltrated you know, group. It's they they well, they infiltrate and they cause problems on purpose no these are not infiltrators they're they're like people who were born and raised here and uh 
I don't like I said I don't want to get into it too much because okay. I, I don't want to spoil That's anything. Fine. I want to try to resolve these these issues with, with as least just, as little damage as possible. Sometimes but, it's just um, normal human behavior where everybody has a fight. <laughs> it doesn't have to get yeah, that complicated. As far as I'm concerned, fighting is good. You know, pretty it much is, every usually. friend I've ever had has has uh, you know we first we we have fought. And, and this is sort of the topic of the second video that I dropped yesterday on my, my show, The Abstract. That's what we're talking about. This is yes. my new show. Yes, yes, yes. There was yes. an article about it in Activist Post last Tuesday, and there'll probably be another Activist Post article today. But, um, yeah, uh, th this, is, this is what I was, I was talking about, how in, th this, uh, in this new episode I'm talking about the, the local scene, San Rafael City. I was talking about the county in the first episode. Now I'm talking about the scene in, in San Rafael. And, and in numerous times in this video, I mentioned a, a lack of an adversarial process. Okay, the, the whole San Rafael City Council is just dominated by radical leftists. And they all just, you know, go about their little their little click, you know, their little giggle fest. And they're, they're able to just, you know, poo-poo anybody who doesn't agree with them. And, you know, I, I, I don't I don't get into the politics too much there because um, pretty much because I want to get keep on getting published on activist posts. You know, I have I have outlets. For exactly. My political, An activist like, post tries to not be too political and they just try to represent the news and the facts Michael, yeah, of the matter. To, but don't yeah, you think yeah, when you've been don't you think when you've been uh, by somebody who's trying or who really believes it and is legit Though somebody who argues with you, who is doing it for real and not just a, a jerkwad, those are when you become much better at what you do. Sometimes I realize I'm wrong and I, I correct myself, and other times I just get better at it and I can defend it better. Yeah, yeah. You know, the, the, all these things make us stronger, and and I often wish that people would would come with more legitimate beefs with more legitimate complaints yeah it's it's usually just the jerkwads like you say just like you know ah, you're a dummy like eh, you know uh just you know name calling and, and blah 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 uh i in fact i i, I rarely if ever get any type of constructive criticism it's either like i really like your work or you're just a total idiot you know <laughs> <laughs> when i do get legit um criticisms i actually follow up on all that Mm -hmm. Like when it's a, it's a jerk wad, I just, whatever, half, you just, you have to ignore it and get a thick skin. But the ones who have legitimate things are usually not jerk wads about it. They're just, they put it out there and it's like, well, thank you. Thank you for this constructive pushback because that's what we need to get better. Yeah. And, and, you know, I'm happy to be, to be doing this show now, the abstract it's on rumble. There's a link to it on my website, peteracurby.com. And, and I'm happy to be here in Marin County doing this because there's just so much to expose. You know, this, uh, there's, there's like everybody, it's like 85% of the county is just totally buying the, the mainstream media narrative on everything. Well, you're at the center of that, like you said, the center of the tech headquarters that is working to control and reset this world. And you the more you can expose from the inside that area the better yeah, yeah i mean what what a horrible place to be but it's good that you're doing it there, there there's pluses and minuses you know it's just me and michael savage up here i guess but you know there's there's pluses and minuses to it um you know there's there's plenty of really great food 
I mean, you know, you, I don't yeah, think you can yeah. get better food. <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, well, anywhere. my son worked out there for a summer he has an, as an intern when he he got a job out in Silicon Valley as an intern. I went and visited him and he hated it out there because he said that it was like a wrinkle in time where everything was exactly the same. You know, everything is every day at the weather's the same every day. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, no, the weather is, is great. Yeah. I mean, I think this is some of the best, best weather, but I mean, you know, if, if you want really great, great weather every day and it may, let me, let me put it this way. If you don't like, really great, great weather every day, then don't come to the Bay Area. <laughs> but um, yeah. yeah, you know, that that's another thing that's really great up here, the weather. I mean, you, you know, I hear about the rest of the country where it's like, you know, 80 to 90 every day, and then, you know, 20 to 30 every day, or 20 to 40 or something like that. And uh, I'm, I'm like, wow, that's, that's pretty harsh. But um, yeah, uh, you know, where else could I get more material? And uh, so, you know, I, I've definitely toyed with, with just leaving. But, but see, I, I stay because I grew up, the way I grew up, I grew up in what was, it was a town that borders San Francisco to the south called Brisbane. There's only two cities that border San Francisco by land, Brisbane and this other city called Daly City. Anyway, um, Brisbane was like, basically like a redneck town. Oh. And there were like- <laughs> Are they still- no, not anymore. Not, there's the, the, no the, way. Yeah, all the rednecks moved like, out or silenced themselves. And horses, yeah, and like the Hell's Angels would roll in periodically and, you know, all this type of stuff. I mean, I grew up like a, a grubby kid, you know, just like um, running around, riding my bike everywhere, playing baseball and, you know, and just staying outdoors like all day and everything. That's and, awesome. And, and, that's and, like being a true kid. That's, a, that's the American yeah. kid experience. Uh, it breaks my heart that the kids don't experience yeah, that anymore. But, um, you know, see, so I, I was able to establish contacts and make friends and, and tap into a culture that uh, still actually exists. You, you wouldn't know that it does from, you know, uh, what you see in, in the media and stuff. But actually, there's there's an undercurrent of like, people like blue collar hard workers and, and, and this type of stuff. And, and I mean, even in this, this County where I am Marin, you know, which is just like mostly extreme left wing, this used to be all ranchers and farmers. Well, they need their peasants. I mean, I don't mean to be rude. I'm thinking from their perspective, but, but see what I'm, what I'm getting at is there are other people who share your mentality. They're just kind of hard to find. Oh, I see. There's there's a real American, what we grew up with as the American. To me, the blue collar, you know, roll up your, your sleeves and get things done is the American way. You know, whether you are educated in at Harvard or whatever, you still have that American roll up your sleeves. You know, that's how it was. Everybody had that attitude. That's why we didn't have the class systems. That's why we didn't have all, you know, now we're starting to have this class system issue. The heck is that? We grew up, we didn't even know what class we were in. We didn't, it didn't matter to any of us. That's what I grew up with in, in, Brisbane, in Brisbane and San Francisco. I, I mostly grew up with a species that largely doesn't exist anymore, the blue collar Democrat. I, see, I, I didn't understand politics at the time. All I knew was that like, my dad was an electrician and he worked with like drywallers and, you know, we, he would uh, have me running around the, the bar and grill 
uh, you know, after work and he ran a bar at a certain point in, in the city of San Francisco. And, you know, my mom did work for the government, but she became like a financial advisor. She kind of went more into the uh, elitism and stuff. She's, you know, she's all into all that, that stuff, uh, the, the whole mainstream media, phony culture. Uh, that's another story. But, but my dad and, and all my friends growing up, or at least uh, my friends from Brisbane, we, we were all just, uh, you know, just working class and, and um, you know, down to earth. And, uh, you know, we, we just go out and, and we do stuff and, and, and we, we enjoy life and, and we don't, uh, you know, we're not into all this political correctness. And so, you know, I, I realized that was going on. Really, I didn't even realize that th this transition to wokeism was happening until like maybe high school. Because I went to I went to high school in San Francisco, and it was a, a high school where uh, a lot of, of the Pacific Heights crowd went. Uh, that's the that's the group that controls San Francisco. It was this school that's still around today. It's called Lick Wilmerding. Half of the student body are from like working class families, and they get breaks on the tuition. And then half of the student body is from like elite families in Pacific Heights and stuff. And, and they kind of subsidize the, the other half. So, um, you know, I, I was exposed to, to both sides of, you know, the whole culture mm -hmm. and, and everything. So I, I know that that culture exists and, and I'm confident that these, you know, the, this, this stuff with all the uh, this nonsense uh, that, that's been going on uh, with the Democratic Party and the extreme radical leftism and all this, it, I, I do believe it will blow over. I mean, uh, and, and let me let me be very blunt. All of them have gotten the shots. All of them have gotten the shots. And I'm in the Twin Cities metro area, and it's a very high Democrat area. And, you know, there's people who are shedding from the Democratic Party because we also have a lot of minorities that are saying, hell with this. But you're right. And right now, Minnesota is one of the highest places in the country now with COVID deaths percentage-wise. We're higher than, the COVID deaths is higher than it was during the height of the pandemic, supposedly, and the cases. And so, and we're one of the highest, Twin Cities is one of the highest populations. So you're right. And that's the, what's going to happen. They're cannibalizing that party. I, I just, I don't, that part I don't understand, but... Oh, I mean, you know, if, if these shots prove to be what the evidence shows that they are, then, uh, you know, the, all of these radical leftists are, are going to die in like the next year or two or whatever. And uh, mm -hmm. yeah, I mean, you know, like I said, it's, it's very blunt, but I mean, you know, it, it, and it's, you know, I, I think really we're being judged, you know, it, and, and God is saying like, okay, do you believe in the immune system that I gave you? Do you believe in living well and eating well and doing these things that make you healthy? Or do you believe in this corporate product that the government and the media is demanding that you inject into your veins? Well, to, they, they're trying to get a yearly flu shot going, but there's one agenda that's the yearly flu shot. And then the other agenda is depopulation and their reset. I, I don't, it, none of this really makes sense in, in other than depopulation, but even so, why are they getting rid of the people who are following them the most? It's an irrational deal because the people doing it are insane. Yeah. Well, I mean, this, this is what, 
what evil usually does. They they kill all of their their closest followers. I mean, look at look at Jim Jones. You know, he he wiped out his his whole entire clan just because. You know, just, <laughs> just because. because. I don't even know why. Yeah, I don't even I know, know why. It's like it's really, but this, this is sort of a similar situation. It is. It's just incredible. Let's get back to XRP though, because yeah. you had some bombshells that you're talking about here, and I wanna I wanna talk through this because this could really be you know, kind of their agenda too. talk more about what you know there. Well, yeah, th this is the hope. I, you know, I have tremendous hope for cryptos and, and blockchain. And, um, you know, uh, the, I think that, that the, the good guy insurgency, it centers around XRP and the, the tyrants center around this Ethereum blockchain. And I also think that the Bitcoin blockchain was hijacked early on. I believe this this guy named Craig Wright, who has been coming forward and saying that very early on, the I guess the deep state realized the power of, of cryptocurrencies and Bitcoin in particular, and they went in and somehow hijacked the, the technology so that they they have some measure of, of control over it and and they can um, you know may, maybe they're just lying in wait to, um, you know, uh, enact a measure of control over it. Maybe they're already, maybe they already have a measure of control over it. But uh, I do believe that that Bitcoin is, is not what it purports to be. I, I do believe that Bitcoin is a deep state operation at this point, as well as Ethereum. Now, there, there's more evidence for Ethereum being a deep state operation. As I said earlier, it looks like a lot of banking establishment type people have been invested in Ethereum and, and, and they've been able to stop the SEC from launching any type of investigation of Ethereum while they're going after the competitor, the main <laughs> competitor to Ethereum, XRP. Why do you think Odyssey was so, or Library was so uh, targeted? I don't know. I, I've heard of that being in this mix, but I'm not super familiar with, with, uh, with that scene. Well, they're one of the only ones along with XRP that's been targeted, I think, because they saw them as a viable um, option to YouTube more so than others because uh, BitChute and Rumble are more off to the right and Odyssey is really kind of in the middle and maybe they just wanted to keep them from growing. I don't know. There's been quite a few lawsuits, uh, regulatory actions and stuff that the SEC has launched. The SEC is going about asserting regulatory jurisdiction here. Uh, you know, they've been doing this for years. Uh, and what usually happens is anyway, uh, they, uh, whatever crypto gets targeted by the SEC, they usually just end up, you know, if there's an organization running it, they usually just end up paying a fine or something like that. It's, it's been all like slaps on the wrist. It seems like they're, they're a little getting a little more hardcore on XRP because they, they want this Ethereum. Now see, the, and, and I think Ethereum is standing in the way of the new media because I, I do believe that NFTs have tremendous potential for the new media, for monetization of the new media. And I, I think there's two main ways that NFTs can can uh, monetize our our operations 
But in the current situation, everything is on the all the NFTs are on the Ethereum blockchain, and the fees, the transaction fees for doing stuff on the Ethereum blockchain are completely prohibitive at this point. I was going about trying to monetize my new show with NFTs. I, I figured that the way my show is, kind of like a news magazine kind of a deal, would be amenable to NFT monetization in that these shows could be collectible as NFTs. See, NFTs are, are tokenized versions of, of pretty much anything, like a, a picture or a video or a PDF or uh, you know anything that can be anything digital. And, and so, you know, there's been a lot of, of action in this area. People have been making money by selling NFTs, just like pictures, images, stuff that they've drawn. And, and so I, I said to myself, you know, well, maybe, you know, you tokenize these videos and, and the, you, uh, you know, auction them off and then they can be resold after the original auction. And, and the, the person who issued the NFT gets like a percentage of, of future sales going forward indefinitely. So that could be a good way to monetize my operations at least. And But then I, I found that um, I wanted to start the auction for the first show uh, of the abstract at a dollar, you know, just to make sure that, that it would uh, sell. And, um, and they, they, I, I entered that into the, the platform that I was, I was using to, to go about minting this NFT of the first episode of my show. And they told me that the transaction fees for it would be $179. Really? Yeah, for something that I wanted to start at a $1 auction. I said, well, okay, this ain't working. <laughs> what? So is it, 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 are other things that high or is it oh, just... Yeah. It's always that high. It's just you have to sell it at a high number to be able to to be able to pay the transaction fees. Yeah, yeah. These are the transaction okay. fees on, on the Ethereum blockchain. I mean, it's ridiculous. Wow. You, and the Bitcoin blockchain is just as bad, and it takes forever. The Bitcoin blockchain, you can wait like an hour for a transaction to go through on the Bitcoin blockchain, and they'll they'll charge like the light brigade. Wow. Well, some of these other ones then are so much more. That's what they're afraid of. Is these. Mm -hmm. These upstarts, these smaller cryptos exactly. are way better exactly. than these original exactly. ones. Exactly. And, and of course, the transaction fees on, on XRP are negligible. It's like 0. 0.00000001 yes. XRP, you know, to transfer like $500 or something. You know what I mean? And there's, there's. That's why they're trying to kill exactly. them. Exactly. Exactly. But what I, I think it's most important here is that if XRP does become basically a new global reserve currency and the, the center of this quantum financial system, this new quantum financial system that for all it looks like for all the world is about to drop any day, then the transaction fees on NFTs will be extremely low and we'll have a situation of exactly what they've been talking about, a frictionless payment environment. Now, that would not only serve my operation well for uh, you know, tokenizing shows, episodes of the abstract for sale as collectibles, I think it would also create a situation whereby when people just click on your work, if it's available on, you know, uh, websites that participate 
in, in these type of operations, people will just click on your work. And, and because of that, you get a micro payment. You get, you know, like a penny or two or whatever. But if everybody that clicks on your work is giving you a penny or two, you're doing pretty good. You know what I mean? So, yeah. And, and I think. Exactly. Because right now I get, I, I, I pretty much write off the money I get from, I mean, I don't even, I get I monetized zero. And the only way I make money is by my affiliates because it's just not, I don't expect to make money on my content anymore. So if you can do this and get this set up, it'd be very interesting. Oh, I think. It's and people getting, like people paying a penny for every time they watch something. Yeah, no, it's coming. It's coming. We're, we're going to be the big winners in all of this because our, our demand is, is so pent up. You and it's unbelievable. I mean, you know, we've been censored seven ways to Sunday. Oh gosh, I, my Google. Listen to this. You're exactly right. This is a stat that people need to know. DuckDuckGo uh, sends me like fourteen thousand, and they're only point what point five point five percent of the market, and they send me about fourteen thousand people to my website. Google is ninety percent of the market, so I should be getting. 180 times more being that much more of the market from Google than I am from DuckDuckGo. That's how much more uh, traffic to my website I should be getting if I wasn't censored. I mean, approximately. Yeah, but you're getting like nothing from Google, right? <laughs> oh, oh, that's the other. Yeah, I'm getting like 100 or something. Yeah. That's when somebody looks for me directly in Google. Right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They got it all on lockdown. I mean, you know, we, we've been in this game long enough to know that Earlier on, there, there, it was more of a situation. They, they did actually. It was better. It, it wasn't great, but it was better. And, and just with having it a little better, I mean, yeah, there was plenty of traffic coming in. It's like cool, you know. I, it, YouTube actually used to be pretty good. They, they didn't censor like everything, and 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 you know, people just blew up on that thing like, like Sean. You know, I mean, Sean was making good money. Yeah, he's very good. But, you know, my show, I was still being censored, but not really, you know. Mm -hmm. And I just wonder how much would I have gotten mm -hmm. if they would just let me go. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It, it's coming. It's coming. They're, they're not going to be able to hold it back once because it's inevitable. This Really, the way I look at XRP and the quantum financial system and basically the, the whole world of technology running on blockchain is inevitable because it's a better way. People are going to do it. You know, they can they can step on it here in America uh, as much as they want, but other places in the world are, are going to do it. And, and you know, th this is just how things work. They're not going to be able to shut it down. And, and once we have the world's media running on truth machines, you know, and we're, we're like human truth machines, you know what I mean? We're like human truth-seeking missiles. And, and, you know, we're going to fit right into the, the whole new, I call it new media 2.0. Well, they can't take us down. They are, they, they've unleashed a, a monster from their perspective that they can't stop. And that monster is truth. And we just don't want this evil in our world. We're sick of it. And the average human being doesn't accept mm -hmm. it. I think their their spell is falling apart. Their their COVID spell. I mean, we've been seeing it falling apart for for some time now. I'm trying my best on the show to be as dismissive of it as possible, 
and, and you know, the evidence, I, and I go over the evidence too. It's like, okay, this, this is a flu virus with a less than 1% death rate. The testing for it is wholly inadequate. And, and yet we're, su oh, it's an, it's, we're supposed yes. to take these experimental shots with all the, you know, uh, injuries and deaths coming in from all around the world. It's not just the VAERS data. We have data from well, the world. We're health. supposed to, I'm going to cut you off for one second. We're supposed to take these experimental shots where all the animals died in the studies. Yeah. I mean, come on. Yeah. I mean, that's very serious. It's not funny. It's very serious. They're going to keep on running these stories in in the media where, where they're like, oh, yeah, this guy said that, that COVID was a hoax. And then look, he died of it. Well, he, he died of something. They're saying that it was COVID. Well, Robert David Steele, I don't, they killed him. They, they probably just killed him. They didn't use the treatments. They gave him remdesivir and they put a ventilator on him and killed yeah, him. We know if he died, I mean, I don't know if he's on another mission He's a, or he died and they killed him. We know him. their playbook now. We have their playbook. It's only a matter of time. Or as Charlie Ward says, Things move from conspiracy theory to truth in six months these days. That's exactly right. He's right with we, that for sure. We have them. We have them. And and I, I think it's it's really only a matter of time that we're going to be seeing new media 2.0. I think NFTs are going to play a, a big part in all this. And I think uh, XRP is uh, you know going to be institutionalized as a new global reserve currency. And once all this happens, uh, your show, my show, everybody who's been here fighting this battle for like 10 years, we're, we're all going to be big winners in all this. I hope so. I mean, it does feel like, you know, I've been beaten down a lot. I just think of all the things. I came out with the whole blackmail thing back when I had Detective Jimmy Boots on, Jimmy Rothstein, and we talked about, you know, human compromise and then they included that in the Q Awakening book. And next thing I know, I'm a big Q person. Like the reason I put that in that book is because it's so important to talk about human trafficking and I just wanted exposure to it. And if Q help people wake up, fine. I don't care how we get this information out there. It's just so important. But gosh, were we beaten up for that, you know? And I'm just, but now the whole human compromise blackmail thing is just second nature. Everybody realizes that when people do something that doesn't make sense, they're probably blackmailed. Yeah, we we are we are captains in the army of the good guys against the establishment in World War III. This is World War III. It's an information war, and yeah. we've taken up yes. the mantle, and, and we've gone out and, and been battling in this thing, and, and and this is this is how we win it. You know, because people actually do end up going to, to BitChute and Rumble and, you know, they've been going to YouTube and all this stuff. And they do actually see videos and we do actually have an impact. We've we've been having an impact. We continue to have an impact. And, you know, the, the, we just keep doing it. We just keep hammering away. And I, I like I've said all along since the beginning, I've said we are going to win this thing. And I, I think that it's it's imminent. Any, any day. It could be like an overnight kind of thing. And this is exactly what they've been talking about as far as the, as the implementation of XRP is concerned. They've been talking about a big bang adoption where just overnight the, the whole uh, financial system is, is completely transferred over. Apparently, you know, it's been, been migrating for some time, but the whole thing is just completely transferred over 
to to the quantum financial system. Everybody knows it, and uh, and you know the demons just evaporate like phantoms at dawn. And, and I think that's the situation that that could uh, manifest any any day, any day now. Well, I hope you're right. I just uh, you know it's been a long, brutal fight. I just remember that when I started waking up about six, seven years ago, maybe all the sleepless nights as I was learning what was really going on. My poor husband, gosh, he's been on my side this whole time. But the awakening process is traumatic. And we know that everybody out there is going through that now. Um, those of us who've been through it, you know, six years, five, six, seven years ago, we, um, we know what you're going through and it's very hard. But you have to, we have to get everybody on the other side because that's how we make a better world. It just is what it is. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, I, I had something in me, uh, you know, I've come out recently uh, to talk about, you know, how uh, I was assaulted by, you know, uh, someone in the Warburg family. I don't know if you know that whole story. I, I did it all. No, I don't. Yeah, what well, happened? Well, I, I only became really aware of it during the course of, the story is way too long for me to tell here. <laughs> There's a, I did an episode of... Uh, David Zublick's show, uh, I think it, the whole thing is available on, on Zublick's channel on, on BitChute, probably on Rumble, too. It was one of those that he put in front of the paywall. But um, it was it was something that was in my subconscious. This, this is, he's, you know, the famous Warburg banking family. Yeah, yeah. And, and I, I think that this guy was like a, a devil worshiper and stuff. And um, They all are. I shouldn't say they all are, but yeah, it's a big cult up there. Yeah. And but see, it was something that happened that I had blocked out of my my memory. It was in my subconscious and only through participating in a new media and fighting in this fight did I actually remember it. And so I, I look back and I, and I point to that as something that that caused me to begin fighting in this fight. Even at the time, I, I didn't know when I, when I started fighting in this fight. I, I, it, I didn't have it in my conscious mind as something that I actually remembered, but, but it was in my subconscious. And, and so when I saw the new media and I saw that it was an information war, I, it was something that clicked in me inside. And, and uh, you know, that it made me do, do what I've done for the past 10 years. I'm thinking that maybe you had something in, in your life as well when you were younger that, that, that uh, either in your conscious or subconscious where you said to yourself, man, there's something really wrong with this society going on here. And, you know, I'd love an opportunity to expose it. I think you're right. I, there's, I always said I was in training for something. I don't know, you know, but I learned and I got, I got my butt kicked on certain things that was horrifying and traumatic that was just wrong. And I think that it was, I got caught up with a bank and my business and all sorts of stuff. And I learned a lot of traumatic lessons. Mm -hmm. And I think um, that for me was a, a kick in the pants. But I also uh, learned about this human trafficking. And I, I, I don't know. I don't know why I'm, I just realized that my life is not that important compared to all these children and all the people suffering. And um, I just hope that I just, it's just not, we have a bigger thing that we're fighting, you know, this is so, it's so much bigger than me and it's so much more important than me that I have no choice but to fight it. Yeah. And I think the average person is realizing that now too. Yeah, absolutely. I think for me, I don't want to interrupt you. This is your interview, but I, uh, 
I think for me, the fact that, that people are waking up is so relieving for me because I've been fighting so hard to get people to wake up that as people are starting to realize things, it's been um, therapeutic, even though this is an awful, just incredible time. But at the same point, it's incredible time in, in the sense that people are learning. Absolutely. Oh, yeah, it's, to it's totally therapy. You know, it's, it's like taking a, a big, huge thorn out of your side, you know. And for, Yeah, you know. I'm, not a, I'm not a whack job. This, I really learned this stuff, and it's really important that you learn it, too, so we can end it. Yeah. No, it's, it's incredible, you know, how, how this whole establishment exists, and, and it's so completely opaque and, and unknown to anybody who's not in it. You know, it, it just continues to blow my mind to this day how this whole thing operates. And, and yet there it is. <laughs> I know. It's not funny. It's just like, oh, oh, my gosh. But, yeah, we will continue exposing things. I'm so fortunate to have you in this fight with me. I really appreciate you coming on the show. Tell people where they can find your work, which is just fantastic. Your chemtrails book, like I said, it's the Bible of what's going on. I mean, it's it's the encyclopedia of what's going on, shall I say. It's the definitive resource on that. Oh, you're too kind. You're too kind, Sarah. Yeah, uh, you know, that's something that I consider a, a completed work at this point. I took it as far as I could. I compiled all, all the information that I could find from, you know, all the best reputable sources, chemtrails exposed, the new Manhattan project. And, you know, so that's, that's kind of like the foundation of my, of my work in the new media. And uh, now I'm moving into my, my show, the abstract.com. And believe me, during the production of, of chemtrails exposed, the new Manhattan project, I, I dipped my toe into a whole lot of other things. I took a lot of other I'm detours sure. in a lot of whole other directions and things. And so, you know, that that those detours are, are really helping me now, now that I have a, a show that I'm doing on just, you know, whatever topic strikes my fancy, because a lot of these things are things that I've already done research on. And I can just go back and I have the books, I have the places I know where to look and everything. So, you know, every every week, I'm trying to keep my, my new show, The Abstract, I'm trying to keep doing it every week, have a new episode every week. It's, it'll be coming out on like Mondays and Tuesdays and stuff. And, um, you know, it's going to be a whole range of, of different subjects. Each episode will be about one thing in particular, and then the next week it'll be about another thing. The COVID tyranny will be a recurring theme. And, and I'm, I'm looking to cover things locally. I think this is a, a good recipe for, for uh, the new media, where you take a national or international issue and you cover the local aspect of it. You cover the people in your neighborhood, in, in your city, in your area that are implementing this tyranny. You see, you see, and, and I think this can be very effective, especially in urban areas, areas where people have interest globally and internationally. Your area, Minnesota, you know, another probably San Francisco might be the best one, but then New York would be another one, you know. Uh, LA, uh, Atlanta, Dallas, all, you know, all these, you can have like, well, Minneapolis has its own BS going on. Yeah. Oh yeah. You expose it. You, you take that, take that international and global issue and you start exposing it on a local level. 
you see, you see, we, we, we can we can do this. Um, this is kind of like a, an idea for a larger show that I've been thinking about where you have a show that just does this and you have reporters reporting and exposing all this on, on local levels everywhere, uh, you know, issues of national and international importance. And so, uh, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens. But but this is this is what I'm doing. I'm tr trying to focus on local issues, local tyranny. And, and like I say, there's, you know, where else would I get so much material? Well, the important part about the local uh, tyranny is to show people how it ties back. If you can bring the local places together and then show how it ties back to the bigger picture yeah. and show how they actually implement, a lot of stuff was with money and bribery and everything else, and they control... Um, uh, the local agendas through uh, federal funds and things. Yeah. If you can show them how this all ties yeah. back to their global uh, agendas yeah. and tyranny, exactly. that would really help a lot of people understand what was going on. Exactly. This is what I'm shooting for going forward with, with the abstract, the, the first edition or the, the first pilot of the abstract in San Francisco or, you know, Marin County, San Francisco. I'll be going into San Francisco. Makes me want to move back to, to, to the city of San Francisco proper so I can really do some damage. Well, you can do damage just being right over the bridge. And I, I am looking forward to you doing damage because, like you said, it's the headquarters of the tech tyranny. Yeah, I want to, I want to put my camera in their faces. <laughs> yeah, and I want to watch it. So, well, thank you so much. Again, theabstract.com. Peter no, it's, Kirby. It's Can they Peter buy your book a, there too? PeterAKirby.com. I have links to, to all this on my website, PeterAKirby.com. There, there's a link you can, on the homepage to, to the abstract as well as, uh, or there's a page about the abstract on my website. And then there's a link to, to my book, Chemtrails Exposed, a new Manhattan project as well. PeterAKirby.com. Join my email list, please. Excellent. Thank you so much, Peter. Thank you, Sarah.